Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So uh, today I'm delighted to be joined by Laurie, Laurie James, a, a fellow adoptee and uh, just an awesome, really awesome lady. Sorry for any English people saying, listening and, and hearing this word awesome. I know it sounds a bit American, so I apologize. <laughs> Laurie, Laurie is American. So welcome to the show, Laurie, and um, looking forward to this. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Superb. We've just come up with a really good theme, listeners. So you're in for a treat. And the theme comes from Laurie's website. Um, I guess Laurie, as well as being an adoptee, um, she's she's a she's a, an author. And we'll might get into the bit of that uh, in a while. But she's also a, a transformative coach. So um, it, it, th- there's this very big picture question on on, um, on your website, uh, Laurie, and it says, do you believe you are enough? And it's just like, wow, that's a big question. And how, yeah. about, how about we explore that? Because this, um, this feeling of not being enough is yeah. uh, endemic. Is it? I don't know. Within 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 us adoptees, we we kind of all feel that. Right? No, I completely agree. I I um, as an adoptee, and speaking to many other adoptees through the years, and hopefully your listeners will resonate with this as well. We come out of the womb unconsciously feeling like we weren't wanted. And when you come out into the world, feeling like you're one step behind, you don't feel like you're enough. So, and I didn't really understand this or realize this until I was an adult. And I got into therapy, but when I look back at my life, there, there were a lot of things in my life that I experienced that confirmed that belief for me for a long time until I really put myself into therapy, did read a lot of self-help books and became a coach and really started listening to myself and what I needed and also started standing up for myself and asking for the things that I needed. Because when you don't feel like you're enough from the starting gate and then you're thrown into a family where you look around and you don't look like anybody you don't really connect with your siblings. You don't feel like you fit into your community that you're being raised in. There's a lot of disconnect. And it's a lot to process and understand. And then it's also a lot to change through your life. Yeah. So my um, my first 
uh, I guess my my first question on this and my fascination, as I mentioned before we started recording, is when 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 this feeling turns into a belief. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you said we're unconscious. So we're, what you what I think you mean by unconscious is we don't know. I mean we have we haven't exactly. got. We, we we are what do people say we're pre-verbal we we don't have words right yeah so there's just there's a feeling of offness mm-hmm. and then and what it seems like and, and your your experience is slightly different to mine because I didn't I guess my feeling of offness wasn't quite as powerful as yours I'd, mm. I'd, you know if 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 yeah everybody has different experiences completely. Different. Yeah, so, which makes that feeling greater or or less. Yeah, uh, and um, w- as I was, I did a, a podcast with a transracial adoptee yesterday. And as um, you know, so you and me are white people adopted by white folks, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, but so I didn't have that. I I, I didn't. So you would say, okay, well, um, uh, we haven't got the that that physical evidence of differenceness. I had, I didn't have that physical evidence of difference because m- my parents didn't look that different to me. Um, right. Your 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 adopted parents clearly did look different to you, but perhaps not as different as a transracial adoptee. So it, it's all very nuanced. Yeah. This agreed. Uh, and and. But the the, the 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 so the the feeling of offness, the feeling of offness, the feeling of difference, would seem to to grow, to snowball, to be compounded, and then at some point it becomes, a, 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 does it, you know, it becomes a, a thought, and then that thought gathers credence, and ga- uh, so the the metaphor that comes to my mind on this is it's like a um, a, so, an avalanche. An yeah. So it starts with a small piece of snow, and, yes. and, and, and then uh, as that that rolls down the hill, and it picks up more and more snow, and then it starts to pick up stones and sticks and bits of trees and whole trees, and before you lower it, it's completely out of all control. It's an avalanche that's out of control, and to to help put a little bit of um, logic to it, it is you have so the unconscious thought is a feeling right so we're pre-verbal but you have this sense we all have this intuitive sense to us some tap into it more some of us don't but what our feelings come from our, our feelings form our thoughts our thoughts then create our actions. So that's the snowball effect, right? So if you are feeling like you're not enough for some reason, whether it's from being adopted, from not feeling like you belong in your family, not connecting with your family, whatever it is, or um, not feeling loved, even though you were adopted, Maybe it was you were adopted into because it was a a family, like you were a relative of somebody else in the family, 
or it could be because information was withheld from you, right? A lot, I'm in my late 50s. I was born in the 60s, mid 60s. That era, we didn't talk about adoption. We didn't talk about, I knew I was adopted, but I was never, I don't remember having the conversation. I don't remember sitting around the kitchen table with my parents and having a conversation about adoption and what it means and how, you know, it affects them, how it affected me. That wasn't a conversation at the dinner table in my house, right? And I don't think it was for most people. So there's lots of different sticks and stones and boulders and stuff that gets thrown into that as it rolls down the mountain, right? So it's it's bringing, first step is bringing awareness to it. So bringing it from the unconscious into the conscious through awareness of, oh yeah, and reflecting and whether that's working with a, a coach, a therapist, or reading books. There's lots of wonderful books out there about adoption that can help you better understand yourself and what you are feeling um, and working through those. Because at the end of the day, we are all enough. We all deserve to be here on this planet. And we are all born whole, even though Sometimes as adoptees, we don't feel like we were born whole because we, our mothers sometimes, or our birth parents, a lot of times for good reason, had to let us go. But that energetic connection that you have with your birth mother, that's a strong bond. I mean, just look at nature, Look at nature and how you can have this herd of animals. And that baby always knows who the mother is. And the other animals know whose baby belongs to who, right? I mean, and, and we on earth have the highest level of consciousness and level of intelligence. But yet we separate our babies from each other, you know, <laughs> Yeah. I was thinking about a wildlife metaphor this morning, actually, um, uh, as because uh, I'm, I'm Laurie's got Laurie's got her book. I'm working on mine again. Uh, I've, I've picked it up after ooh, about 20 months off it. Um, uh -huh. And I, I was thinking about watching a wildlife program. So I don't know. You you get these uh, uh, over in the states. You get our um, Blue Planet and our David Attenborough. Voice yes, love that. David Attenborough. Yeah, okay, love so, him. Yeah, he's a national treasure. What are we going to do without him? I don't know because he must be in his nineties. Yes, um, he is. That that that. So what I, I was thinking about something that I saw of his a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a frozen. I think it was a frozen planet one, um, and it was a, a pack of wolves, Arctic wolves chasing bison and they uh, they separated the herd of bison or some kind of ox very furry ox thing, uh -huh. right? i don't know if that's a bison one. 
uh, I should really be sure of my story, shouldn't I, before I start? Anyway, um, so they 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 separated the the bison into into two, um, and and then there was one, you know, the the, the music changes, and David Attenborough's voice go gets even more ominous, and then you see there's a bison on their own, little baby bison on their own, and this is mm-hmm. the one that the up the Arctic foxes are gonna get. That's that's the that's the scare, and it's it you know it, it's the whole show is about the drama, the slowing down of the film, the speeding up of the music, the more ominous tones of rich. It's a fully immersive experience, and it's getting us it, it, it's getting us in the heart because we're feeling for this bison. Because we've all felt alone. Yes. And we empathize. So um so Laurie's Laurie's dog wants to get in on the uh, act, uh, action uh, the action here because it, he's, he's she's adopted too. She's adopted too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and um don't doesn't uh, on one sense like, yeah, you we remember our bringing our dogs home and we remember them crying the first night they're separated yeah. from their mums, right? And yeah. uh, that 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 sends chills down my spine. But going back mm-hmm. to the show, so but the so we empathize with the lone bison because nobody likes being alone, whether they're mm-hmm. adopted or not. You know, the kid that isn't picked. Mm-hmm. The, the the kid that's last to be picked in the in the soccer lineup in the playground um uh, when the, when the seven or whatever you know no one wants to be left out i remember some like a yeah i remember my own i, I remember getting left out of the team i'm a bit embarrassed to say this i was 12 right i was left mm-hmm. out i'd been in the rugby team for eight sorry been in the rugby rugby for for probably team for some like five years and I got I got left out, and I remember it's twelve thirteen, and I do remember you know turning away because tears were coming to my eyes. Yeah, left out, and and I've seen that amongst non adopted kids as well, right? Because yeah, um, I've done my work. You talked about self development books and and therapists and stuff like. That. I've done all my work in this area with non adoptees, and there's some big news. Uh, listeners, none of them think that they're good enough either. Yeah. It may not be quite as acute as ours. It may not have the same, it may it may have a different, a completely different reason. So they might have been bullied at school. They might feel that they've not succeeded, uh, succeeded what they want to achieve in um, in their career, or they may be overweight or they may have red hair. All sorts of reasons that people, um, that maybe their parents divorced when they were young. You know, mm-hmm. people have all sorts of different pegs that they hang the insecurity. Absolutely, on. absolutely, because our experiences cause that, right? It, for the people who are adopted, that's one piece. But yes, as children. From a psychological standpoint, children are um, egocentric. 
their brains aren't fully developed. So when something happens to children, they feel like it's their responsibility. So if their parents are fighting, they feel a sense of responsibility for it. If their parents divorce, they feel a sense of responsibility for it. And I think if we all reflect back on our own childhoods and really think about that, we've all taken that responsibility on. Are, Lou, are you telling us that too? Yeah. Eve, Lou's the, the, the um, Laurie's, Laurie's dog. And um, we, we don't usually have dogs dogs on the we don't usually have the dogs on the podcast usually <laughs> it, it uh, the only dogs that appear on the uh, so my my pillows or cushions as we call them in the uk my pillows of labradors uh often get commented on by the 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 the, the guests um so it, it's unusual to us have actually have have lou on the on the show but it, it clearly maybe loose felt loose felt that yeah, not enough. It's the same thing that we're talking about. Same she's thing. missing. <laughs> she, she's she's missing. She's missing her mum. Um. So, what what we're what we're doing, um, what we're doing, listeners here, is we're bringing this stuff out into the open, into into consciousness, into awareness, uh, in this discussion, and we are taking a, a look at it to see whether it's true. Or not right mm. um and uh when i think when i when i think of the uh, the avalanche or snow metaphor i always come up with this idea of uh, a, a huge industrial heater okay so we're we're going to we're we're bringing an industrial heater to the um to, to the avalanche uh It'd have to be quite a big one, right? Because if it's a big avalanche, but we're we're going to bring the light of awareness, the heat of the of the of the gun, the the the, the, the heater, and we're going to that's going to melt it away, and we're going to see some of the rocks and stones that are still left, and then I guess we're going to take a, fa a Star Wars phaser gun. And, and, and blow some of those. I'm not a Trekkie, so I don't know why I come with that. But we're going to uh, we're we're pointing at these at these rocks and boulders that the avalanche of, of our, our feelings are leaving behind, and we're going to uh, and we're zapping them um, in the uh, it as we as we leave behind the idea that uh, that we're we're not enough. So before I came up with something for this. A, a, a transition um, mm -hmm. which I shared with Laurie uh, before we started recording so number one there's the agony uh, of not feeling enough which a lot of us have felt for a lot of our lives um, so that's agony it's painful it's sticky it hurts like hell then there's going on from that there's the, the what I call the relief of sufficiency. So my best metaphor for that is uh, on holiday, first night of my holiday, maybe 20 odd years ago, I sat down for dinner. I'd had a really busy nine months bef before my, since my last holiday. I, we sat down 
for, for the evening meal and I I felt I actually felt the the weight of the business concerns and worries I felt them leave my shoulders mm. so that's what I'm talking about it, it it's kind of it, it's a it's a relief it's a, it's all over and that happens to me most nights actually and in, in a lesser way when I when I go to when I go to bed I just, yeah, I love it. Yeah, we it, it just lifts. The stresses of the day have gone, mm-hmm. and and then there's just a kind of like a gentle snuggling into the duvet. So that that's the kind of the the relief of sufficiency, uh, as in the opposite of insufficiency. And then and then there's um, and I wasn't sure whether Laurie would go for this at all, but she likes it. The bliss of realizing that we're the whole infinite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I love that. Um so what came up for me when you were when you were talking about lifting that heaviness that we have carried for so much of our lives, which I carried for up until my late forties was when I started the work and it's taken, you know, it's it's a an ongoing process. It's not something that you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to, I'm going to change my beliefs. It's a process, right? And we have to change our mindset. We have to change how we interact with other people. We have to believe that we are enough then change those thoughts and then change our actions around it. So maybe let's think of an, let me think of an example here. Um, An example might be with a friend where you have a friend who's chronically late all the time and it really bothers you, but you always say, no, it's fine. It's fine don't worry about it. It's fine. When inside you really know it's not fine because you might be sitting around for 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour waiting for this person to show up when you, you might have other things to do. So, and the belief is, okay, I'm telling myself it's fine, but I'm feeling inside that it's not. And then I carry that home And I still don't have a good feeling because I was a little unhappy or pissed or angry or whatever you were, whatever feelings you had about that experience that you then take home and you didn't honor yourself enough to say, hey, Susie, that wasn't okay. I next time I'd really appreciate that you value my time. And if you can't make it say, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm running late. Something came up. Right. But we don't always do that. I work with some clients that do that. And so it's getting them to stand up for themselves, set a healthy boundary around what it is that they need, because at some point through our life, we were all, all, we were either told, um, 
to be seen and not heard, right? I don't know if, if your parents did that, Simon, but I think a lot of people in our era was a child is meant to be seen, not heard. Yeah. And so we minimize or it's, oh, Lori, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. So right there, you're, my feelings have been unvalidated. Yeah. So where does that leave me? That leaves me feeling like my feelings don't matter, that I don't matter, which goes into, you know, so you have the adoption and then you throw that layer on top of it, which makes us feel like we're not enough. Yeah. And then we develop coping mechanisms and continue that behavior in our adult life. Yeah. I've done doing all of that with the heater. With the heater, with the industrial heater. Um, And what powers the industrial heater, um, uh, listeners, is, in my opinion, it's insights. It's insights. It's, It's when we have an insight when we have a change of heart about something, when our worldview changes, when we have uh, an epiphany, when we have an epiphanette, which is a bit like an epiphany, but not quite as big. Um, And when we (laughs) see... It's a smaller epiphany. It's a smaller epiphany, yeah. People get epiphany envy. Have you ever been on a course (laughs) and people say, oh, everybody's getting everything and I'm not getting as much. You've got like epiphany envy. (laughs) Um, That's where I heard somebody come up with the epiphanette, right? So you see... Love it. Don't don't brag about your epiphanies because you're going to make your fellow course leaders jealous, right? So, yeah. Um, so what? Yeah. So that it's insights. It, it, insights are, are, are the actual thing in, in in in. Well, my take on it. Insights are what changes our change our world. What What about you? What do you What do you think? Changes? Well, so for me, yes, it's insights. It's all those. So I talk about this in my book. And it's also on my website, in my opinion, what happens in life is, and and Oprah talks about this too. Everybody knows Oprah, or I'd like to think everybody knows Oprah, but it's, you know, you get the little nudge from God, universe, higher power, whatever you want. Everybody has a different belief and that's okay. So you might get a little nudge of, okay, you know, you get a nudge on your shoulder of, you know, Hey, you know, this might be an issue. And then you bypass that. And then all of a sudden, then you might get a little push, right? And you keep getting, it keeps getting bigger and bigger until you learn your lesson or you learn from that experience. So for me, it took a two by four to hit me in the head, (laughs) (laughs) to wake me up for me to start doing this work. And working through my limiting beliefs that I am not enough or, and working through the fact that I am enough, that I am worthy of what my insides or insights are telling me, right? That I deserve, I deserve to be treated a certain way. I deserve a certain level of respect in my marriage. I deserve to have a voice. I was silenced as a child. 
I have a voice. I can use it. I wrote my book. I'm sharing my conversation experience with you in hopes to be of service, right? I think we talked about this before um, when we talked about before doing the interview, you know, it's about being of service. That's where we find purpose in life. And um, that also rounds out that wholeness inside of us. Yeah. As you were talking a couple of minutes ago, the, uh, the, a, a book came to my mind. Have you, have you heard of that guy called Don Miguel Ruiz? Have you heard of yes. Love Don Miguel Ruiz. I have him right on my bookshelf, the four agreements. Okay. Um, I tried that one, um, but I'm, I much preferred the one that I read before. Um, uh, but it was called the voice of knowledge and something that you said a couple of minutes ago really spoke into that and I, I, in terms of how we how we are raised how we are conditioned how we take on stuff especially with this um, back to this central issue of not being enough mm-hmm. and he so uh he's a very he's a i think he's there Grand, is he a Toltec shaman or something like that? I mean, it, it's fairly countercultural for a guy like me in the, in the north of England. We don't have many Toltec shamans around where I live, but um, yeah. there's a wisdom, there's a real simplicity and a, an elegant wisdom. And and the voice, the, whoever does the voiceover, has got this fantastic, great, gravelly voice. Uh, and he says, um, it, the central bit was um, about him going to school and being told that um, one day they would grow up and be someone. Mm -hmm. And the inference to that is that they are no one. Mm, They are no one. And then they need to go up and be someone. Mm -hmm. Go up and be someone. And by being someone, what the teacher is actually talking about is um, their career. Right. So the idea is that you're nothing until you are. uh, Right. Well, that's our that's our social. Our society that puts that pressure on us as humans of saying you are your identity is tied to what you do, not who you are. Indeed. Indeed. Indeed, and indeed. that's I think the work that we all, if we are not feeling like we're enough, that's the that inner work that we need to do within of not tying ourselves to what we do or our title or how much money we make. It's about what you yearn for, what you long for, who you are on the inside. And there's, you know, if we're talking about um, thought leaders, there's a really wonderful um, book. It's called The Invitation, and it's by a woman named Oriya. And I love, um, she has this wonderful poem, and I'll just share the first um, line of it. It says, it doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. 
right? So that goes to the soul. And maybe I'm getting a little too deep for some of the listeners, but this is... We go deep here. <laughs> we go deep this here. Is, this, I love her book. I love this poem. It's one of my all-time favorite poems because it just really talks about are you willing to risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive? Right. That doesn't have anything to do with the societal pressure that's put on us of who are we and you're nothing now until you make something of yourself. Yeah. Right. Which takes which again feeds into that belief of I'm not enough. You're not enough as a child until you do X, Y, and Z. And then they achieve that and they still feel like they're not enough. I mean, there are so many people, so many interviews out there of very successful, high achieving people who have millions and millions of dollars that still struggle with self-worth. Yeah, uh, indeed. Um, but there's always a bigger yacht and the next one's going to make us happy, right? <laughs> When I get the one Keep with the handle. that. Let me know how it works for you. Well, I, I did it with cars, not yachts, um, you know. Um, uh, but I only got as far as Lotuses and Porsches. So maybe the Ferrari would have made me happy, right? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, what do you ache for? So... I ache for connection with other people and making a difference. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because I wanted to make a difference in my children's life. I have four daughters. They're all raised now. They're off the payroll. They're very successful in their own right. And that is one of my greatest accomplishments in life. Um, they're my prize and joy. Um, and I couldn't be more proud of them. So, and I knew, I always thought that I was not going to be a stay-at-home mom. I didn't want to rely on anybody else. <clears throat> but when you, when I held my first daughter in my arms, I thought, I don't want somebody else influencing her. I can go back and have a career. I can go back and do something else later in life. I can't get this time back with my child. And it's not for everybody. So if somebody didn't have that ability or you know didn't have that desire, I don't want them to feel bad. But that was something that was that I ached for. I wanted to stay home and I had a change of heart around that. Um and so I did. And I feel like I did a pretty good job. I mean, nobody's a perfect mom. Nobody's a perfect parent. All we have to do is be a good enough parent. And I think I did that. <laughs> Hopefully they'll agree. They may come on and, and decide not. Um, but that that's what I ache for. And that's one of the reasons why I made a huge life decision um, and changed the trajectory of my life because I 
had, I did not have that emotional connection that I needed. And I didn't feel like I was ever going to be able to be the person that I wanted to be or the person that I was becoming. And so I had to make a huge change in my life. And that was leaving my marriage, which was so hard. And you talk about going back into, um, you know, the beliefs, the feelings, the thoughts, the actions. I had this thought, this ideal or idea that if I created the perfect family, the family I didn't have as a child, that it would save me. It would make me feel safer in the world because I didn't always feel safe in my, in my youth as a child. And it couldn't have been more wrong. The external things, whether it's creating the family, having the big house, having the fancy cars, having the larger yacht, that's not going to make us fulfilled. That's not going to make us feel better inside. We are the only ones that can do that work on the inside to change, to do the therapy, work with a coach, whatever it is, do our personal work our personal development work. So that way we feel like we are enough. Then we can then take that and reflect that out into society and do the things that we want to do that provide purpose and meaning and, and identify what we ache for, what we yearn for in life. And then feel even more fulfilled from the work that we're doing. Right. I think that's, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's one of the reasons why you started this podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and I also mentioned the fact that I, hadn't worked, I, was taking, I was picking my book up after 20 months because I, I realized that um, I prefer, I prefer connection to writing. Writing mm. is solitary. Yeah. Podcast is a conversation. Right. Yeah. Well, right. this but podcast from... is a conversation, and it's about it's about connection and yeah, connecting with people. And you, you, the other thing is that you need connections um, to 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 uh, to test your ideas on in your book. You need connections. You need to have a an audience. If you're gonna have a book, yeah. If you're gonna have a book, you need an audience. You know. Um, um, I'm not going to be on the um, uh, the late late show, you know. I'm I'm not. I'm not. Don't stuck. say that. That's okay. a limiting belief, uh, Simon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is. You never know. Never. You say never know. Um, uh, <laughs> you know uh, the. Um, I, I, they, they, those the the celebrities get invited on, don't they? You know, um, yeah. Somebody's get invited on, um, so you kind of like you need your own, you need an audience for your book. So um, that was another reason, but mostly the connection thing, like like you. absolutely. Yeah. But what's interesting is I never identified myself as a writer, and I believe my book found me during a time during this eight year period, 10 year period, when I was really examining after that two by four hit me in the head and I had to examine everything in my life. 
and rethink everything that I believed to be true. You know, what is family? I had to redefine what family was for me. So that way I could be true to myself. But um, there was another thought that I just escaped me. Your book. Based off of that. Your book found you. Oh, yes. So that, thank you. You, you didn't. So, you so writing I, I, was actually, so writing can be a form of, for me, writing my book was very introspective. It allowed me to look back at what was going on in my life and really make sense of it. And so for your listeners, don't rule out if connection is, I think there's many different types of ways to heal some of our thoughts, some of our beliefs that we have of not being enough, lack of self-worth, writing and really making sense of what I was feeling, what I was experiencing really helped me make sense of what was going on. And it also helped me get in touch with my feelings more. What were the emotions that were going on when this happened? Yeah. So, so you, you, it can be very helpful. Yes. And I did actually write a, a, a book about 11 years or so. Um, and I, I, I had no audience for it. <laughs> so nobody bought it. Huh? Um, the uh, so so it is. It is very, very, very therapeutic. Very, um, yeah. And we're back to back to Don Mel, Don Miguel Ruiz, right? And I think this is one of my concerns in the adoption community here. So, and in, in the world in general, and a cultural concern here, right? So I think that I've had a lot of, co some therapy and a lot of coaching. And coaches question, mm -hmm. you believe. So, and that, that kind of, um, that leads you to have another look at them with somebody else's perspective. Mm -hmm. And and, and uh, the metaphor that's coming to my mind at the moment, I don't know if it's a great one, you might go, yeah, but um, it's, oh, that's just a limiting bit. Um, so it's a, it's a tooth, right? So if you've uh -huh. got, if you've got a, if you've got a, a, a belief, if you've, got a, if you've got a rotten tooth, right? Maybe you want to wiggle it and, and extract it. Right. So if you've got a rotten belief, maybe you want to wiggle it and extract it. But there's, Love it. but, but there's, but you, it's hard to see the picture when we're in the frame. That's one of my, yes. So what happens is if we go in and we're not critically, critically, or we're not questioning the voice in our head, then it, it can, the, the avalanche just gets bigger. You know, yes. we, the belief gets bigger. Or the tooth continues to rot. Yes, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And then it starts affecting the teeth next to it. 
Yes. And they start rotting. And then pretty soon you have no teeth left. Indeed. And, and your self-worth is even. Yeah. Yeah. Lower it's, than it started with the one tooth. Indeed. And what, what people do on social media is they, they can't, you can't have a, a, a reasoned discussion on social media. You can't question anybody's um, feelings. Um, uh, because then you're in, then you're accused of invalidating them. Now, a, a coach questions our feelings mm -hmm. to move us on. Mm -hmm. But in the echo chamber that is the internet, it's full of people, all with rotten teeth, saying, look how bad my teeth are. My teeth are really bad. Yeah, my teeth are worse. No, no, my teeth are worse. And nobody, you know, and if you say, ever thought of going to the dentist? They'll say, <laughs> don't you invalidate my, don't don't you invalidate, I, it's my right to have rotten teeth. And, you know, my rotten teeth are part of who I am. That's part of my story. Sorry. Um, you know, this this happened for real with me in a, in a, in a Facebook group. Um, an adoptee put a long, dark post. It's some very salient points. I thought it was incredibly powerful. I was waiting for a turnaround. Right. Have you done? Have you looked at? Yep. Uh, oh yeah. Uh huh. What's she called? The the woman. Uh, Byron Katie. Byron Katie. Katie. So this is a fabulous. Yeah. Um. So it's something like, and and it goes to what we're talking about. So do you know? Do you know the steps? Because I can't remember them. Yes, I do. So the. This is beautiful. I love this. I was actually thinking about this this morning too. So the first question you want to ask yourself is, is it true? Whatever your thought is that you're believing. So let's say it's, oh, shoot. Um, my friend doesn't like me. And is it true? And it's just a simple yes or no. And if it's no, you ask the question, are you sure? And again, the question is yes or no. And then you pay attention to how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And just notice in your body. I love to really connect with my clients in their body because, again, our thoughts, our, our feelings create our thoughts and our thoughts create our actions. So if we're feeling like somebody doesn't like us, even just talking about it, I can feel my body have a heightened reaction. Just a little bit more anxious, a little bit more blood flowing, a little more energy running through my body. So really examining that, like what's happening on the inside? How am I feeling? And how, and then how do you treat yourself? And also then how do you treat other people? Those are some of the questions that I go into with my clients. And then we go into <clears throat> who, 
who would you be in that situation if you did not have that thought? So the same thing happens, whatever it is, whatever the friend did to make you think that she doesn't like you, he or she doesn't like you. But then you don't have that thought of they don't like me, but the same situation happens. What happens in your body? How do you treat other people in that situation? And just noticing the difference. I mean, even just talking about it again, like I feel a little bit more relaxed. I don't feel quite as much energy tingling in my body when I think about that. And then the turnaround is the, uh, the first one is the opposite. She does like me or he does like me. And then you give examples of how that's true. You ask the client how that's true. And then there's a couple other turnarounds as well. Um, they wouldn't apply to this per se. Um, okay. So, but we can do. Yeah. So, so that's the process. And and, and um, this isn't the this isn't the format to uh, this isn't the occasion to go deep into this. But this is very deep, right? There is a lot of reflection. I think is it the yeah. work is it the work org? If if people Google, yeah, it's the work org. Work org, yeah. By Byron Katie. Byron Katie, and the you can do this. You can do this, you, you, you can do it as, a, you know, coach and coachy, or you can self, self-coach. You um, can self-coach. And, and there's loads she of She actually there. also hops on, you can pay and she'll hop, you can hop online and watch her coach people. She's incredible. So talented. So the, so the question really is, who would we be? Without the without thought, the thought that we are not enough. Yeah. So who would be we be as adoptees without the thought that we're not enough? Yeah. Now, in a nutshell, that's the reason I do. That's why I do, do the podcast in the format that I do. Right. So there's loads of adoption story podcasts thriving adoptees is an adoptee insight podcast mm -hmm. it's about this is what i this is what i ache for i ache for a world in which adoptees all see themselves as enough mm -hmm. on the way to being the infinite, on the way to the bliss of being yeah. the infinite universe and knowing that even seeing themselves as the infinite universe, the infinity of the universe, they're still going to have bad days. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yes. Because this is not once and done 
I, I don't know if I mentioned, I, I did a podcast on this, this. We touched on this this morning with another, another adoptee. The, the the simplest way I can think of putting it and the clearest way I can think of putting it is, you know, once we learn to um, ride a bike, we never forget. And the people say, we never, you don't forget how to, to ride a bike, but we forget who we are all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, uh, for, it, it's like in the physical world, so I'm talking about here in the kind of like emotional, maybe spiritual world. We for, we forget who we are all the time. In the physical world, we we sleep, we wake up, we sleep, we wake up. That's 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 the that's the pattern, and it's exactly the same in in this stuff. You know, we we have moments when we don't think we're enough. I have absolutely. Moments. I. But I know in my heart of hearts that we are all enough. I know that I'm enough. I know that every single one of us on this planet is enough. And everybody that's listening right now. Yeah. You are all enough. And I'm enough. And we all deserve to be here. Yeah. And part of being enough is that we are whole. You mentioned this whole. We Mm -hmm. are all whole uh, in the sense of whole with a a W in front of it, not whole as in a hole in our heart. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We we are all whole. The only thing that gets in the way of us seeing our wholeness is the belief that we are wounded. The primal wound. Beautiful, beautifully said. The primal wound is a theory. Yes. And it became a belief for me. Mm. And there's so much for me. She puts she lays human characteristics at the foot of adoption. Yeah. And reading that book, I thought, this is it. This explains everything. And there's a relief. There's a, mm-hmm. a, there's a relief in the diagnosis. I'm not going mad. Right. I'm not going mad. This is, uh, but then, then that took me down, right? That took me down, and until that something turned me around, um, like your book found, like your book found you, mm-hmm. a, 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 a glimpse of our fundamental unwoundability found me. Yeah. Beautifully said. Um, what's your take on wholeness? I believe that we are all born whole. 
and our life experiences chip away at it. And that it's our job to find our way back to wholeness in our lifetime and repair the chips, the nicks, the gouges that have happened through life. Yeah. And it may be a little bit harder being adopted, but that's that internal work. Yeah. And the good news for listeners is you're already doing that by listening to this podcast. Absolutely. Just Chris, do you ever hear that on, on when when you're on um you know webinars or trainings and people say, Well, how do I do that? And 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 that's a question that I have often comes to my mind, you know, when I'm listening to something. Well, how do I do that? And 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 and, and there's a relief, right? There's a relief when and no it's very rare that uh, the, the the person doing the training will ever say, well, that's what we're doing now. Exactly. Nobody ever says to me, Simon, that's what we're doing now. So I'm saying that to listeners. That's what. Absolutely. You, yeah. That's what you. That's yeah. What it's the first step. It's this awareness is the first step. And the fact that you have an interest in listening and understanding a little bit more is the first step. And it's a journey. It's not a destination, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and there are times when I'm like, God damn it. Don't teach me anything today. <laughs> I can't take anything wow. today. <laughs> yeah. It, it may be a journey, but there's nowhere to go. Because the answers are already inside us. Exactly. Exactly. So listeners, um, check out the show notes. Have a look at Laurie's website and her, on, see what she's doing on social and have a look at her book, right? Have a look at her book. Have you got anything Thank else? Thank you, Sam. Go yeah. ahead. Have you got anything else that you'd like to share? A question that I've not... Um, no, asked. I think I loved our conversation. I think we covered so much ground. Um, I think for your listeners, maybe there is one question for your listeners. You know, just take that first step into inward a little bit. If you aren't feeling like you are enough or you're not feeling whole and just begin to explore, you know, where that might've come from. Because we all deserve to feel whole. We all deserve to feel complete and we all are worthy, especially adoptees. Yeah. And I'm going to make another suggestion too, which is we only, we kind of touched on the primal wound as we, as we, as uh, Laurie said we've picked we've covered a lot of ground on today and we talked a little bit about the primal wound. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to um, an interview I did with another adoptee where we kind of debate a little bit more about um, about the primal wound because it it, it I think it was. You know, and and still in adult in adult adoptee circles, it is still the dominant narrative, um, mm -hmm. uh, and I understand why because it, it, for me it explained everything, uh, and and then I 
realized that that what was wounded was my feelings and my sense of self mm-hmm. um but i'm not my feelings fundamentally because they come and go and i'm still left behind right mm-hmm. one minute i'm sad one 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 minute i'm sad one minute i'm happy i'm still there i'm the common denominator and um, sense of self definitely sense of self another word for sense of self ego are we our egos no no we are not our egos and the only way i can sum this up is that we are in one sentence is that we are spiritual beings having a human experience yes the wounding the wounding is in the human experience it is true it is valid i have been there i still go there it still gets me the human experience i feel wounded sometimes happened to me yesterday actually um a few people criticize something that i've done i felt wounded but as to the spiritual being that we all are that's unwounded mhm it's not a thing that can be it's not a thing it's spirit it's chi mm-hmm. it's life force you can't cut it with a knife so if there's no cut there's nothing to be cut there's no cut if there's no mm. cut there's no wound beautiful i love that never thought about it that way but i like that thanks lori thanks listeners and we will speak to you very soon yes thank you so much if anybody wants to pick up my book they can find it on amazon and i'm on social media everything will be in the show notes thank you so much for this wonderful conversation simon i thank really you. enjoyed it thank you speak to you again soon listeners bye bye